I bid you welcome. God, We all go a little mad sometimes. We accept a one of us. We accept a one of us. What's your favorite scary movie? Wolfman's got an Good evening, everyone, and Happy New Year's from Home is Where the Horror Is, a podcast dedicated to our love of all things horror. I'm your host, Brian. And I'm Monica. We finally made it, babe. We got out 2020, and uh, I don't know if 2021 is going to be much better. Probably not. But hopeful it's going to go in the right direction. Maybe. (laughs) At least we have a full year of going through now horror movies. Yeah. Where we started it, when we started this, October? I think it was Yeah, yeah, I think it was October, the first week of October. So, um, as we said, last podcast, uh, we went through Halloween-themed movies, then Thanksgiving-ish themed movies, or dinner scene movies, that's what it was. And then, obviously, Christmas. So now, we just decided we're going to, it's a free-for-all, at least for sure for January. We're like, let's just pick whatever we want. Um, it's kind of how I got to my first choice this year. So, anyone that's a big horror fan probably has heard of this movie, and it's actually been on a lot of people's list as, like, one of the scariest movies, especially on Netflix. Um. I didn't think it was scary at all, but. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna get to that. So, my movie that I had us watch was Session 9. Um. The easy way to round this up is it's a psychological horror thriller that follows a group of asbestos workers um, who've been hired to clean up the Danvers State Mental Hospital in Danvers, Massachusetts. Uh, Quickly after starting the job, a lot of odd things keep happening. They hear voices. They think they might see things. Um, And it basically makes all the characters kind of question themselves, question each other, and their own sanity. All this is happening um, while one of the crew members discovers these nine session tapes of um, Mary Hobbs, who has a dissociative identity disorder. And she murdered her family at the request of one of these personalities named Simon. So this is a very big, um, like, how do I describe it? It, are they actually insane or, like, what's going on? Yeah, it's like a, like a mind twist. It's like... Yeah. You're kind of like, what the hell is happening? And, like, at the end, they kind of... They give you the full review. Well... Give we'll, you an we'll idea. We'll get there, but I, I, I put this similar to... What was that, um... I know that's a movie you like. The John Cusack movie where it's Identity. Like, yeah, where... Was yeah. it 13 different or something? Yeah, yeah. And they're in the hotel room. Yeah, so yeah. in that vein... This movie, I hadn't seen, and it, it was actually released in 2001. I saw this years ago. Didn't leave a huge impression on me because I was convinced that there was a ghost and there was a haunting and stuff. Sure as shit wasn't. Yeah. So, yeah, it was strictly a psychological horror film. Um, once again, it was when it first came out, got mixed reviews and mostly positive. But for some reason, it's aged with people loving this one. So... Uh, we'll get to our yeah. we'll get to our opinions, 
But that is a general gist of the movie. A little more background info. It was directed by Brad Anderson, who actually went on to do The Machinist. And you've seen oh, that, right? Yeah, it's really good. Man. He did Stoneheart Asylum. And he actually did a lot. He, he specializes in psychological thrillers. Hmm. So he kind of found his niche and stuck with it. Yeah. Um, and then it was produced by John Sloss. Dorothy Afario, David Collins, and Michael Williams. Uh, it was written by Brad Anderson, once again, and Stephen Gavidon. I'm sure I'm butchering all these names. Um, but let's talk about the cast. I want to see what you thought of them. So Peter Mullen was Gordon Fleming. He's the main guy. He's the main Gordon. guy. Okay. He's been in... A, he's in... Almost everything, especially TV shows. Yeah, he's like I've seen him a, lot. a guy that you might always be like, he's familiar, but I don't yeah. know what he's from. Yeah, going through his credits, there's like too many specifics to name, but a lot of shows you've watched, he's been on in one capacity or another. He he did a, I think he actually did a pretty good job in this movie. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't bad. He's probably one of the strong. I mean, let me just say, I think all the actors did a good job in mm-hmm. this movie, because um, you get really invested in all the characters mm-hmm. i'll say that david caruso was phil yeah who of course csi is his most infamous thing yeah little fun thing did you also know he was in the first rambo movie he was yeah he's one of the uh like the first cops huh. that rambo whoops his ass uh steven gavidan who also wrote this movie was mike the guy who finds the tapes okay yeah uh, Josh Lucas was Hank. That was that was like the one that I was like, all right, I know this guy. Yeah, because he was in Sweet Home Alabama. Okay, yeah. And he's he's another one. He's been in a lot of. He he was especially popular. I feel like in the early two thousands. Yeah. He was in a lot of stuff. Yeah. And he he was definitely like the heartthrob in like some things. This yes. This one <laughs> not, not so, much. so much. No. He he looked like. Uh, He's been drinking a little bit. He's yeah. like he definitely has a little pouch going on. And yeah, I, I completely forgot when I saw him. I was like, I know him from somewhere. But now you're saying, yeah, Sweet he was Home. like the main guy in Sweet Home Alabama, and he was gorgeous. And this movie, yeah, no, yeah, especially um, that mustache that kind of kills it. And then Brendan Sexton the third as Jeff, the mullet guy. Oh, okay. And he's another one that's oh, been. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in the movie Kids. He was. He's, was he Casper? Yeah, he's oh, the one. Oh, okay, okay. And he always... That, he, yeah, that, that was another one I was like, I know him from somewhere, I just don't know where he was from. There was a movie, and I can't remember the girl's name, and it's going to drive me crazy. She was a nerdy girl, and he kind of was like a bad boy. I, I, I can't remember, but I always knew him as that kind of like bad, semi-creepy kid in yeah. movies. okay. Like that's, I feel like he got stuck in that role mm-hmm. after kids, especially. Yeah. Um, really no one else to mention, but like I said, I think the whole cast did a, did a pretty good job. job. Yeah. So before we actually dive into what we liked or didn't like about the film, why don't you go through the, um, why is my brain postmortem? Postmortem. It's not a whole lot, uh, with this one. So there are our seven kills plus one dog. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, no sex, no nudity, no real falls or anything like that. Four instances of screaming and two Murphy's Law. Like the, I think the lights went out. The generator, the generator went generator out. out. And actually the generator went out a couple times, but I think we only counted uh, the yeah, first time. This one. And I think the car. Was, was it the car, car or, or was it that like they couldn't find the keys? Uh, like I can't remember, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, this was... um. 
Yeah, we. What do we try to count? Remember what I gave you? Oh uh, yeah, we were going to do a reoccurring ghost, <laughs> and then we realized there's no ghosts. And that's once again, <laughs> that's on me. I, I said this film, whether you love it or hate it, it didn't leave obviously that big of an impression on me the mm-hmm. first time I saw it. I just thought it was like I, I, I remembered bits and pieces of this movie, but uh, I, for some reason I thought. They like saw glimpses of a ghost or something. Yeah, there, there's not. no ghost at yep. all. Yep. So yeah, as Monica said, how much with the postmortem? But I just talked a whole bunch. So why don't you start off with what are some of the things you did enjoy about the film? Um, it let me say like it definitely keeps you on edge. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you're always wondering like what's, what's actually going going on. on. Yeah. Yeah, this is one of the best films for, I shouldn't say one of the best. This captures paranoia very well. Mm-hmm. And I guess like psychosis, which makes sense because they're in a mental ward and given everything that's going on, um, that feeling of like tension is there between the group, between everyone. You constantly, you're you're not at ease during this movie, during the majority of it. Which is funny because not a lot actually happens. No. There's like little moments of like, the one guy Gordo sees uh, the guy, what was his name? Uh, Phil, talking to some guys. And he's getting paranoid about it. And we're also like, well, what's, what's happening? Like on? you don't, they reveal things in chunks. And at some points, like at one point you're like, okay, I'm lost. I don't yeah. know what's happening here. So they do a good job of being very disorienting. Um, I also liked some of the cinematic shots. The the chair in the middle of the hallway. Mm-hmm. The picture, I mean, they use it as the cover. Yeah. It is a very creepy look. Mm-hmm. And we've been to Penhurst Asylum and places, and especially if they do leave leftover stuff, it looks like it, it is creepy like that, as hell. Yeah. So they, they hit that um, really well. But I didn't have much else I could really say yeah. I loved about it. Yeah, me neither. So, what was your biggest issue? Well, for one, it was very slow. Yes. It was very, very slow. And honestly, I still think I'm still confused about this movie. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it makes I, sense. It was very confusing. Like, even at the end, we were like... So, as you just said that, the, very, the only thing I wrote in my book while we were watching was very slow. Mm-hmm. But then I thought about, I said, the ending, and as we always say, you know, we are going to get into spoilers as we analyze this movie, but the ending really leaves you, like, what happens to the guys, there is a horror element, but the question really becomes, is it real horror? Mm -hmm. Is there some kind of possession? Did the guy, did Gordo just go insane? Yeah. Like, what actually happens? Because I think this would be a good time. We might as well say the twist. Um, as as the days go on, and, and these guys have a week to get this job done, and they take you through, like, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Like, they're going through the days, and Gordo is the leader of, of the group, and um, he's been stressed. He's got a new yeah, baby you can, at Yeah, you can tell that he's, like, very stressed and everything like that. So it's, like, one of those things, did that stress cause him to snap? Did it? Yeah. Or that, was it when he was in there because you actually hear a voice yes. calling him, well, is this 
something. So, so as I said, yeah, there's a couple voices you hear throughout, and we don't know really, like, oh, is it going to be a haunting? Mm -hmm. So, you know, days are going on, and the guy Mike finds those tapes, and you start listening, and and it's of this Mary Hobbs, is the most infamous, I guess, person there, and this is where I get the title Session Nine. She has three distinct personalities aside from Mary. She has Princess, which I did like, you know, and we're going to get that in a scene, but, you know, her voice changes. Yes. Yeah. That so was then cool. she has Princess, Billy, Billy. and um, Simon. Simon. Princess is just like a little girl. Billy is like a little boy. And Simon is like a, we don't know what he is. So there's a lot of bit, things been theorized. Mm-hmm. He could be a demon that possessed her. Um, there's other ideas of, uh, it's like a, not necessarily a demon, but a spirit that's connected to a place and is malevolent. Mm -hmm. So as Mike is revealing more and he doesn't do it all in one setting, as he's revealing more of these tapes, everyone's paranoia starts getting riled, riled, riled. They've already been arguing. There's like a lot of tension in the group as is. And then it just gets worse, and all of a sudden people start getting picked off one by one by one. And finally at the end, it's revealed Gordo's been the one killing them all. Yeah. And he kills everyone. And it's much worse than that because the whole time he makes an admission to his buddy Phil. He says, I've done something really bad. I hit my wife because I came home. I brought her flowers. You know, the dog is barking, the kid is crying, and she spilled boiling water on my leg, and I just snapped and smacked her. And we're thinking, oh, that sucks. It's revealed he does a little more. Yeah. Yeah. That is probably the biggest twist and most disturbing part of it, because they give you just the audio of, like, what happened. And here he killed his wife, killed the dog, and... And the baby. And the baby. So. And they kind of give you, like... They give you lots of hints. Hints, like he had blood in his fingernails when he looked down yep. and things like that. So. There's actually a ton. This is a movie that if you go back and rewatch, you're going to say they like lay it out pretty obviously. Yeah. But you have to know to look for these things. So with all that being said, at the end, even with the twist that Gordo was doing it, you're still left to wonder, well, it, did Simon get in his head Mm -hmm. because one of the lines um during the taping is that he says simon says i live in the weak and the wounded doc yeah and when gordo really starts having those visions is while he's in there and he cuts his hand by accident okay that's when he's like that night is when he went home and did the thing Hmm. so you know gordo he's always stressed Cut himself like I don't know if that's what initiated Simon possessing him, or is Simon just a belief of like an inherent evil that lives in all of us? And it, in a moment of weakness, you can snap. Yeah. Um, because they talk about it during the film, one of the famous psychologists that was supposed to have run that place did theorize that. Um, mental illness was a sign of of a weak a momentary weakness Mm -hmm. or something so they were like tying that idea that like mental illness was signed to something like there was a weakness in you or something so from that perspective it's very interesting yeah but yeah outside that i can't i mean it's different 
But like I said, it is very confusing. And I get like how they kind of leave the ending open for you to make your own decision. But like I said, it is, it's a little. I mean, you could also theorize, and I don't like to go this far, is did Gordo make it all up in his head? I don't. I don't think they no. they left it. I think he killed them all. He killed them and all. now, yeah, it's did he snap? Did the building cause him to snap? Did Simon? We don't know. Yeah. Or is he just crazy all along? That's the part where it leaves it up to you. So why don't we go through now? What are some of the specific scenes that really stood out? Um. So the one thing which is I, I don't know it's just crazy to me. So Hank finds all these coins like these old coins and it winds up being like the morgue um there's a wall and he finds yep. like, the coins all over the place he goes back to get them at night mm-hmm. in an insane asylum i would not do that but <laughs> um so he goes back and he gets all the coins and everything like that and he's trying to make his way out but then like you constantly have this like claustrophobic kind of because there's a gate and he's like between a wall and he's running and then he hears something and it's like something is following him mm-hmm. no that was that was another great moment of tension and yeah i would not go back there no. but as you could tell i mean given what we know attacked him had he not been attacked he'd have been fine yeah so yeah that was a very very good that, that that's another example i have a few scenes that i want to talk about that i love the camera work because mm-hmm. it, it does i mean that place is claustrophobic and they actually shot in there yeah so it's not like it was sets so i can't imagine actually being there and must have been at creepy night time yeah. that's good and and like it's one of those things like you assume he's dead but he's not yeah he's not actually dead yeah yeah um so I start with one of the first scenes when, when Gordo and Phil are walking with the guy and he looks down, sees the chair, mm-hmm. and that's when he first hears a voice in his head. Yeah. Like I said, that p- picture-esque shot sets a good tone of like, ooh, what's going to happen? Yeah. Fortunately, I feel like they did that a little too early. Too early, yeah. And then it's then like nothing, there's a lot of there's, just... Hey, you know what? If you want to learn about how to remove asbestos, you, you, could, you get a little like <laughs> crash course in all this thing, all the stuff you got to do, so... And I've done asbestos jobs, and I've I, I knew all that, but I think they actually covered a lot of like what you legitimately <laughs> yeah. have to do. I was it's like, like a how-to tutorial. I was literally like, oh, kudos for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what else for you? <laughs> um. So the scene with Jeff. So Jeff is afraid of the dark. He has a phobia of being in yes. the dark and everything like that. And you know, nectophobia. Think, is that what it was I called? Think that was yeah. called? Yeah. So they asked him at some point earlier in the movie uh, to go yeah. into the basement. He's like, he's like, no, I'm afraid of the dark. So it gets to a point where they're like, you, you go down and check on something, and he's like, I can't. And they're like, no, just go. And so he goes down into the basement, and there's this long hallway, and like the whole place, like underground, there's all these tunnels, and they just have all these lights strung up. So he's walking down, and it's very creepy because they have. All their how, suits. How the suit, but the amount of suits that they have, it's really creepy looking. Like all these hazmat suits. It is so. So, so when you're doing those jobs, you have to take them off and bag them. Given that that was a crew of what was it five, four, five guys, four guys, Gordo, Jeff, Hank, the other guy. Yeah. So four until the other guy comes. Um, 
It, it was a bit excessive on the suits. Yeah, like it's it's just creepy, like walking down this hall, all these suits, and then all of a sudden that's when the generator kicks off. Mm -hmm. And then it's like he sees, you can see like the darkness just creeping. creeping. That was a great, And yep. he starts hauling ass screaming. Screaming. Uh, you felt, this is where I felt that guy did amazing. Like yeah. that guy, he plays a dumbass really well. But like in that moment, like you legit feel like he was actually scared. scared. Yeah. And I love it because... If a generator went out, all the lights would go at yeah. the same time. But for the effect, for the effect I yeah. love that. Yeah, that was actually uh, one of mine. Yeah, that running down, and then it just envelops him. Mm -hmm. and, oh, you felt so bad. Yeah. You're like, oh, this poor guy. <laughs> like, he's a dumbass, but yeah, that was great. I I love those scenes. Like, I remember one of the first movies I saw something like that was... Um, the grudge mm -hmm. when the security camera sees it yeah. and you see the light coming that always that idea freaks me out yeah see i and i'm not afraid of the dark by any means but there is just something creepy so our basement here we have a light switch outside of the door so yeah. my old house the lights were in the basement yeah, so you had to so go down. So you had to go turn the lights off and yep. then haul oh, ass up the steps. I did that many times. <laughs> yeah, my old basement was the same way. It was, yeah. I think most people's basement was that. They yeah. go down the pole string. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, there, there and would always be that thing. There's like, always something in the back of your mind. Even if you're really not afraid of the dark, you don't believe in monsters. Also, there's always something in the back of your mind. Like, I am down here in the pitch black and I need to get out of here now. That's humans. That's the oldest human fear ever. Yeah. Is the, what do we know? Like, it, it's the old, like, the pictures I love showing you. Like, one of the reasons why I think the scariest thing in the world is the open ocean. Yeah. At night, I, like, have this image of, like, you could be on the most sturdy boat, but underneath you is a thousand monsters oh, there, just sitting. Well, there are legit monsters Well, yes, ocean, but I'm saying, right? like, aside from the things you know, like sharks, I'm, I'm saying, like, I just imagine a crack in oh, the yeah. size of, like, the whole earth is just right there. Like, well, there are, like, uh, gigantic, um, what are they called? The oversized octopus. Uh, the squid, yeah. yeah it's, yeah, like, yeah, the yeah. gigantic squid, but which no, are, but, like, 50 feet long. But that's what I'm, I'm saying, like, your mind just goes to, like, that's terrifying. And as a kid, yeah, when you bust ass up the steps, yeah. you never turn around until you get to the top you of the steps. You slam the door, lock, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that scene was one of my favorite and then the only other one is just when uh, Mike is listening to the tapes and our voice changes for the first time. Like, when it goes to Princess, it was creepy enough. Yeah, yeah. But when it goes to Billy and it sounds like a boy and then Simon, like... Simon is definitely, yeah. That, like... I know there was other movies that had multiple personality and obviously more current. You think of, like, Split mm -hmm. and Glass and whatnot. Um but this one, like, that's creepy for that alone. Yeah. So, yeah, those are kind of the main scenes I thought of when I was like, okay, these ones really stood out for yeah. me. Yeah. And I just, the only other one I had was, like, the final reveal, like, the last one. Oh, yeah, for sure. The film, which, you know, so, you know, Hank goes missing. They don't know where he is. And they just think he skips out because his girlfriend called, which happens to be the other guy's yeah. ex-girlfriend. So there's, which, there's a the little way, twist in there. Here's the deal. Phil, David Caruso, how old is he in this movie, you think? 40s? Bad 40s. Yeah. Like, uh, maybe he's young 40s, but he looks bad. I, he looks I don't bad, know, yeah. but he looks late 40s. This guy, probably more mid-30s. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying he looks great, but... But much better looking. So it's like... 
whatever this chick is, like, yeah, like it's basically like she dumped him for a younger guy that he and they don't actually show her face like they just show they just show like there's one scene her yelling at him but that's it but so anyway so um she actually they actually call to find out where hank is and he gets on the phone with the ex-girlfriend and she's freaking out saying basically that he went to miami he went to miami so this was after he went to the asylum to go get everything so he basically broke up with her said i'm going i you know yeah. hit a windfall i'm leaving so they hire another guy so he's coming so this is the, the last scene he's coming into the asylum and um he sees gordon and then all of a sudden like he sees looks. hank on the floor yep. and all of a sudden he starts looking around there's all these bodies and and then Gordon you know. winds up killing. Yeah, they do a great job because Him. we don't, although you know hints later on, we don't know for sure. Like, you you suspect Phil could be responsible for killing Hank because he's got the jealousy angle yeah. with him. He never liked him. And there there was, there was like, a scene in there that it kind of made it look like Phil yes. was the killer. Yeah, so in Gordon's mind, Phil was actually coming after him with the, the, the tool, knife, the, yeah. the knife. So... You're purposefully misdirected to think, like, it's probably... Because f- you're getting it from Gordo's, like, mind. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, then it, it And then at the end, the yeah, at the end, like, because you do see Phil coming down with a knife in his hand and everything like that, but it winds up at the end being revealed that he found Hank. So Hank is yep. still alive, um, and he basically said that Gordon did this to me. Yeah. So... So, uh... What was, I mean, I guess you kind of revealed it, but favorite kill so, for me? Yeah, so my favorite kill was the new guy. Yeah. Um. So, like I said, the new guy comes in, hangs on the floor, and he's got the orbitoclast in his eye, which is the tool that they used to use to do lobotomies. Yeah. So he's still alive, but basically... Gordon, he's lobotomized. Yeah. yeah, lobotomized. And um, so Gordon's got this guy in a chokehold. He leans over and grabs it out of his face, out of Hank's face, and just stabs, stabs the other it. guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was my favorite, too. Yeah. Um, my least favorite or worst kill, I'm a sucker for these. I'm going to say probably every movie. When it, they auto-reveal auto that it was the baby. Yeah, that was mine. That was, I was like, no. And then you just hear the baby crying, and then it's just quiet. Yeah, you're. it's like, you sons of yeah. bitches. I'm sure it's different because we're parents. Yeah. But, yeah, that always, I'm like, you don't got, you don't got to do that, yeah. you know? Um, okay. So, before we give our grades, let's go over, I have some interesting fun facts. So, a, the only three rooms outside of this actual thing were adjusted at all so they didn't use any sets for this movie they actually Hmm. used the hospital but almost everything in that hospital was actually left there yeah so the only things they added was they they hung meat hooks in the kitchen okay um that they put the plastic surgical gloves in the tunnel okay and then um in the hydrotherapy room they had a metal tub at it yeah. But literally everything, everything else, including one of the more interesting things. Uh, so, you know, when they're in a the room and it's all the cutouts? Yes. Yes. Those are real. Oh, really? Yeah. So. Um, That's creepy. They, except for when he put his family. His family. Yeah, but yeah. Obviously. But. Um, and there was actually a website. Let me see if I wrote it down. Da, 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 da. I 
not have written it down. Oh, yeah. So uh, it was featured on the website yourprops.com. And after the movie was over, it was rescued from the building before the building was that part of the building was torn down. Hmm. But so much of it, like there was so many stuff that couldn't be salvaged because just mold and humidity yeah. eventually ate away. But yeah, those clippings, they legit that had rooms creepy. like that. Yeah. What's funny is clippings like that always look creepy to us when they're old and dilapidated. But like yeah. imagine when you were a teenager, it just you looked have posters. Like a, yeah, it just like, looked, it, they looked like a collage basically yeah. with just different but it's from like, magazines. It's and also newspapers. like looking back at any old timey photos or yeah. stuff, they always look creepy. Yeah. Um, so actor David Caruso reported in the official production notes that he had saw something pass by a window when no one was there and he decided not to tell anybody because he didn't want people thinking anything strange. And then another actor actually reported, uh, while he was on set, when, when they were filming on a roof, he had a voice in his head that told him to jump off and see what would happen. He said, like, it kept saying that to him. So... Huh. Little like onset, like a little crazy, like so basically, like the movie. Yes, yeah. Um, so one of the things I found really interesting was that there was a large subplot that was cut from the movie of a homeless woman who lived and lurked like a, in the building. Hmm. Uh, the problem is the filmmakers deleted it because too many test subjects who watched it thought it was Mary, they were trying to say it was Mary Hobbs. Gotcha, but they cut it. But yeah, there was a whole like other thing about like. She was doing stuff, but yeah. they cut it from the film. Uh, this film has a lot of comparisons to The Shining, but they're small. But one of the first things is when Jack first wakes up um, in the kitchen closet in the film, mm -hmm. he, you see he had been eating Oreos and peanut butter. Um, and that's yeah. the main Oreos thing that Gordon were, was yeah. eating. Um, and then uh, Gordon's wife is the same as Jack Nicholson's wife, the name is Wendy. Okay. So just little nods. And the haircut was the same. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, okay. So this one, this is a bit of foreshadowing and what we talked about. So when Mike was goofing around with Jeff about, like, performing in a lobotomy with the chopsticks, mm -hmm. and he, he goes through gruesome detail, you know, Gordon is watching kind of, like, curiously, mm -hmm. but, like, taking note of it almost. Um, and at the end of the speech... Mike finishes the demonstration stating that he recommends treatment was sunglasses. And the only character wearing sunglasses in that scene was Hank. Was Hank, yeah. Who was the one who got it first. So yeah, gotcha. They, that was their little way of saying, like, this is what's going to happen. And that's where there there was the, the one scene where the, the, younger, the, the younger kid sees him in the hallway and he's wearing glasses. This was after he disappeared. Yes. And then he went to go find mm -hmm. everyone and tell him he was there. But... What are you doing here? Yeah. Yeah. All right, babe. So what are you giving this movie? I'm going to have to give this a C. Yeah, I gave it a C plus. Yeah. I, what I like were those tiny scenes, but unfortunately, like, if the movie was a little shorter, yeah. like, they probably could have cut a lot of those asbestos scenes. Yeah. What, the, what, what it did with those scenes and with everything else, you got to know the characters a lot better than most horror movies. Mm-hmm. So I get it. It's it's like The Shining. When you see The Shining, there's a lot of scenes of like nothing happening. Nothing happening. But yeah. that movie's obviously much better. Whereas this one, the the payoff at the end didn't feel as like oh yeah you know. So I'd recommend it if you're kind of just like you don't have anything you haven't seen in a while. 
But yeah, it's yeah, it's really just not amazing. So you gave it a C. C. I'm gonna give it a C. Yeah. Okay. All right. So what is your myth going to be this week? Uh, seeing that the the whole movie took place at the Danvers Hospital in Danvers, Massachusetts. I wanted to stay in Massachusetts. Um, you've covered a place from there before, the Bridgewater Triangle. Mm-hmm. And do you know what the most famous myth from Massachusetts is? I do not. It's the Dover Demon. Hmm. Have you ever heard that before? I have not, no. So I, I hadn't either, but when I saw the picture, I was like, oh, I've seen that somewhere. Um this creature, so I'm showing Monica a picture now. It's kind of looks almost like an alien. It's the easiest it way. It does. It's like a monkey alien yes. kind of thing. So <clears throat> not unlike what you would see when you have descriptions of what's called the gray, the typical alien with the big head. Yeah. But this one has a bit of a different color pattern, more orangey, more pale with glowing orange eyes. Damn your phone. Um, so, the Dover Demon was first sighted in April 21st, 1977. And what's interesting is over the course of about 36 hours, two other people reported seeing the same exact thing in that area. Hmm. And they're not necessarily all related. It's not like someone's like, hey, come look. Mm-hmm. Three different, but they all reported looking exactly the same. So, first, before we dive into who saw it and what, uh, this was actually a really big case in Dover, Massachusetts. And, you know, the thing is described as a small humanoid uh, with very kind of grayish skin, but it has a rosy orange hue to it, and it has glowing, like, almost orangey eyes. It has a very large head, a very small stick-like body, it can walk on two feet, but it can travel on all fours, kind of more like a regular animal. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the eyes, although most of the cases were described as orange, they said there could be a green tint to them as well. Doesn't wear any clothing. And, you know, unless they're not seeing it up close enough, it could have been super tight, but it seems to be, like, naked. So... This thing draws comparisons just from the looks alone of could it be an alien, mm-hmm. whatever. The The general idea, though, of why it doesn't get the term alien is because it, it features these like other characteristics that seem more animal. And in that area that you covered, the Bridgewater Triangle, mm-hmm. that's one of the hotbeds of things in Massachusetts of like other reported creatures. Um, and specifically in Dover... That's an area where they have claimed they've seen the devil riding around. So it's not part of the reason why it got the demon is they're believing it could be something associated with the devil. With the devil. Well, remember, the Bridgewater Triangle was supposed to be a high area of paranormal activity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they also did say the Bridgewater Triangle, I believe it was, they have the highest incidence of UFO sightings in the world. Exactly. So, so it's kind of ties back to that. So what so the first official report, I'm trying to find his name here, had it. So Bill Bartlett, um, when he went to the cops, he had sketched out what he had seen. 
And essentially, if you look, uh, he describes the thing exactly how I said. It looks very much like an alien, yeah. but its fingers and its feet are very elongated. Like, it has the ability to wrap onto rocks and stuff. Kind of like salamander-ish. Yes. So then, uh, you know, he was the original one. But then the very next day, um, which was made by John Baxter, who saw it the morning after the other kid saw it, drew something on his own without ever seeing this. Very similar. Big head, long fingers, long feet, wrapping around things. So once again... You're getting these two completely different people who are giving drawings that look pretty damn mm-hmm. identical. And then, by so all this happened Friday night and the Saturday night. And then by Sunday, the Dover Demon story was being run with the Sunday Boston Globe. And it basically covered over what everyone was like had been seeing. A lot of people then started kind of giving in false reports. But it kind of begs the question, was there really something? This demon has taken on, obviously, a lot of lore in the area. And a lot of local residents kind of gave the same idea of most people from there. Hey, it's near Bridgewater. There's a lot of crazy shit Mm -hmm. out here. Um, Most people just are willing to say it's probably not a UFO, though. They think it is some kind of alien. Then others kind of change their mind on that. But the most common explanations for what was probably seen, the first is a lost baby moose. Now, it sounds a little odd, but given the way a baby moose looks. Oh, it's so cute, though. It's cute. So it's very, it's got very long, long legs, a skinnier body. The head isn't quite a watermelon style. But the thing with the moose is, it, it could explain if you saw that sideways. Um, the fact that, though, baby moose, they're very brown. They're clearly, like, furry. Like, I would never describe that as more orange. No. So, okay, like, someone was trying to... Dis- then the argument was, it could have been someone had a pet gibbon, which is a specific type of monkey, that has longer limbs and... Uh, female baby gibbons can sometimes be uh, pale with orange. I give a little more credence to that, yeah. but here's the deal. Nobody reported a missing monkey. Pet. Yeah. A- and specifically, that is a very rare monkey. It's yeah. not like it's a monkey native. So someone would have had to have that pet and reported it missing. Look at those nipples on that monkey. Thank you, babe. Yeah. But, once again, the way the feet are, the way the hands are, it makes a lot more sense. They kind of wrap around. They're very long limbs. They would be able to walk. They generally go on all fours, but they can stand. So, I kind of like, okay, like that could be a coincidence. What always, you know, I love these stories that come off of this because this does tie to the movie and to my place is... A lot of people have reported that um, this demon used to live in the tunnels of the Danvers State Mental Hospital, Hmm. especially once it was abandoned. So, very, very popular myth. Like you said, it's considered the, like, you know how, like, every state has, like, a known myth? Yeah. 
this is the myth of the actual Massachusetts. Nice. I didn't know anything about it. Unfortunately, there's not like a whole lot more information. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of speculation and then fandom of like created mythologies behind it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you think about that one? I mean, like like you said, no one reported a missing monkey, but you never know. Strange things have happened. Maybe they didn't have like an exotic animal license and they would get in trouble if they reported that they had some kind of crazy yeah. monkey running around. But like definitely like if you look at the face um, of the monkey, like the sh- head shape, like so you see the fur and everything, but the actual like the blackness around it does it, have it that makes similar it gives shape. It shape. Yeah, and especially if it was dark and maybe if a light shone on them, it definitely would. And this is one of those perfect, like, there's, I don't think anyone's disputing people saw this. Yeah, just what exactly what was it? What was it? And this is one of those, even in today, what drives me crazy is, like, when people still report shit, we have these amazing phones. No one Somehow you still get shitty, blurry photos. Like, like I, I that's the only thing I'm like, oh. one day in the future, like, I want someone to capture something that truly is, yeah. on, like, it's not, like, a naked squirrel or something. Mm-hmm. I want to see something that's like, this is crazy. Yeah. So. And honestly, like, there are still, like, they're still finding new species of things, like, all yeah. the time. Like, oh, yeah. You never know. Could be anything. I uh, just hope there's no rat monkeys out there. Oh, God. <laughs> I can't. Paquita. <laughs> that movie was ridiculous. It was ridiculously great. <laughs> and you loved it. Um, yeah, so that wraps up my meth. So now okay. let's move on to my place. And where did you pick this week? Babe, I know you're going to be shocked. <laughs> but how could I not look into the Danvers State Hospital? Yeah, Real gotcha. place. The whole movie was shot there. Uh, as I said, they only used the smallest portion of that place because so much of it was, like, dilapidated. It, wasn't, yeah. it was too dangerous. Um, so I figured let me dive into it, see if there is an interesting history. And there is. Now – I'll preface all this by saying all the known, like, hauntings are very hearsay, and they're all kind of the same. We heard stuff, da-da-da-da-da, and it's, like, something that spreads out from the area. But part of the history of it is something I wanted to cover. So, um, the Danvers State Hospital, which has also been known as the State Lunatic Hospital at Danvers, the Danvers Lunatic Asylum, the Danvers State Insane Asylum, and then it's more common locals' names for it have been the Castle on the Hill, the Palace on the Hill, the Haunted Castle, the Witch's Castle, and finally the Kirkbride. If you remember when I covered the uh, Trenton Hospital, mm-hmm. that Trenton was the first hospital in America that was built with the Kirkbride plan. Yeah. And as we saw during the movie, they actually talk about that. That's that style that's sometimes referred to as the bat wing mm-hmm. because it has the main center building and everything kind of goes off like wings. Yeah. So this was, um, I believe there's three or four in America, at least three or four in America. But yeah, this was another great example that was done in this style. It was built in 1874 and opened in 1878 under the supervision of uh, Nathaniel Bradley. Uh, and it was this was on an isolated spot in what was rural Massachusetts at the time, and it actually cost about 1.5 million to make at the time. Hmm. So once again, this is 1874. Yeah, that's a lot of money. It's a lot, a lot, a lot of money. But similar to the Trenton and other psychiatric hospitals, 
The idea behind it was actually very noble. People with mental illness were being treated terribly or usually just locked up. So they wanted a more humane way. And as they said during the movie, you know, lobotomies were kind of the more humane way to deal with mm -hmm. people. Um, another way was the ideas of like the hydrotherapy or uh, the rooms where they literally put postings up there. So, duh, 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 duh. hold on, I have the information. As they said in the movie also, each side of the main building where the wings were, there was one for the male, one for the female. And obviously as you get further away is for the most violent or hostile patients. Mm -hmm. uh, what a lot of people don't know is the site that they chose to build it on, um, Danvers was previously known as Salem Village. Hmm. And you know what took place there? The Salem Witch Trials. Yeah. Cause, and they replaced the name because they didn't want to be associated with that anymore in history. Yeah. But the specific hill where they built this on, um, one of the main magistrates in persecution was named John Hawthorne. Ah. He lived on Hawthorne Hill. This is where they built this place. Yeah. So if it has any bad juju, it's tied back to something as old as that. And this hospital, when it was built, it was meant to house only 450 patients. Hmm. Now, you work in hospitals. How well do hospitals adhere to a lower number? Yeah, they don't. So what would you guess? The amount of people that they had in there? Yeah, so it was meant for 450. 872. 2,300. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this place, every single wing, it's a huge building, but every single wing, every room filled to the brims. They even had to start putting people in hydrotherapy rooms. Yeah, they were a lot like, of crazy people. A lot of crazy people, a lot of packing in. Well, you're also, too, you're also looking at the time. So you're figuring this is the 1800s, early 1900s. I mean... It hit its peak in, by the 1920s with those numbers. So, yes, it, there was a there was a complete different populations group. Yeah. So many things And not only that, there, there are classification of mentally insane was completely different like today like sure. when we say someone's like insane like they truly are crazy but back then it could have been a promiscuous woman a woman who cheats on her husband well, kind of got a lot well. of like slack back then for being free thinkers and free with their bodies is that the way you say yeah whore? yeah pretty much um but like things like no, that yeah. like were ways of being able to get a woman committed like that's yeah. You know. No, no, you're not wrong. and That's basically how we got the dildo. So, <laughs> Save it for a doctor, your other, a doctor it for invented your other it. Podcast. No, it really is yeah, actually. Know. A doctor invented it because that's why they have, it's called hysteria because yeah. women, they figured women were hysteric because they needed release. They're not wrong. Needed they're not wrong. Yeah. Um, no, but so, you know, with the overcrowding like that, that led to very improper care, poor care. Yeah. But before then, it was, like, the epitome of, like, good care. And even up until it finally closed, which was much, much later. Um, hold on. I think I have. I believe it was closed in about the 50s or 60s. Um, but even then, like, they were trying to maintain a higher level of care. And, mm -hmm. and a lot of interviews with the patients, some of them really did want to stay there. And in the movie, they said some people would return back. Mm -hmm. No one knew why. They thought they were all, they weren't, like, being tortured or anything bad. They were treated very well, but yeah. it was just overcrowded. Well, a lot of it, too. Like, you know, people who do have mental 
health issues and things like that, like they do very well responding to routine. So yeah. if that they're there and their constant routine is, you know, being at this place, everything, and now all of a sudden you get rid of them, it's like, what do we do now? Like, so it probably bring them more comfort to be in the same situation, same surroundings that they were yeah. before. So, you know, all these things kind of started spiraling into as early as the late 1890s and 1900s, tons of ghost stories were being associated. They said every time there was a stormy night, you could hear ghosts walking around. And of their, although there were small amounts, there were, you know, claims of patient abuse. And that just kind of got exacerbated. Mm -hmm. And they talked about in a movie, one of the things that they said really cemented the fact for bad spiritual energy is that there were 770 patients that died there over a lifetime of the hospital. And they were just put in numbered lots. So the tombstones with numbers, they weren't given, like, proper burial, as a lot of people believed. So this wasn't the first facility to do it, but on such a wide scale to do that, like, it, it got national news. And they um, did touch on that on the movie, too. The, yeah, the so other back. institutions okay. did that. So they felt like it was being disrespectful to the people, too. Like, you're not even giving them proper names, mm -hmm. anything. You're just giving them a number. Um, you know. Fast forward to 2005. The building's dilapidated. A lot of buildings have already been demolished on it, but a lot of it still stands. Uh, the Danvers State Hospital was bought by Avalon Bay, a company that wanted to convert the building into an apartments and, like, condos. Oh, no, no, no. So um, what's interesting, and especially with the federal government, is uh, that Kirkbride building, every Kirkbride building in the United States has been put on the National Register for Historic Places. And that happened in 1984. And what that states is, hey, you have to maintain at least the facade of mm -hmm. the building and with its historic features because it is historic at this point. Um, so despite that protection and a, a lawsuit that aimed at saving the original structure, Avalon did receive a demolition permit and knocked down many of the original buildings. Now, the forward-facing, very gothic-looking building, yeah. that still stands, but a lot of the part of the wings and other mm -hmm. buildings that were on site, they demolished in 2007. Mm -hmm. So, uh, they agreed, though, to keep the main structure, the brick shell of it, all standing. So, they replaced it, kept it in good shape, and then they moved forward with their plans. Shortly after the first residents moved in, a fire destroyed four of the new apartment buildings mm -hmm. erected on site. So... They were having almost immediate issues on the things yeah. they just demolished. So the property actually ended up being sold and transferred to DSF Group for a record-breaking $108 million. Hmm. Now, this complex is now called the Halstead Danvers Bradley Danver. It's basically, um, once again, it's a new high-tech luxury apartment co complex. And it's actually uh, a place now so hmm. that it seems to be going well i haven't heard anything new about it but uh a few other interesting facts about this place is we've talked about hp lovecraft on here so this inspired this building in particular inspired hp lovecraft um where he created his arkham sanitarium mm -hmm. and some of his books which inspired arkham asylum and, and the batman, batman. franchise uh, 
One thing I dug up, though, that I found fascinating. So there was an employee interview um, for someone who had been a handyman there for about 25 or 27 years, and he handled, like, a lot of the maintenance and whatnot. But this story is crazy. So the interviewer says, what was the worst incident you witnessed involving a patient? And the person said, back when they started dual diagnosis, they transferred this 15-year-old boy from Hogan to the hospital. This boy had a habit of crawling into heat ducts. The heat ducts don't go anywhere at Hogan. It's a newer building and you can't get hurt. So they sent him up and he was there for about three weeks and disappeared. We searched everywhere for him. We looked all over and we couldn't find him. The staff over at J Ward started to notice a horrible smell getting mm. worse and worse every day. To make a long story short, he got inside the duct work at the J Annex building, and the duct work goes right down to the heating coils. Ooh. He slid down, couldn't get up, got trapped, and died. His feet landed on the coils and literally burnt up to his shins. Ooh. So it took about 25 people to cut out the wall to cut to get to him that day. And the medical examiner, um, like everyone was there to basically help cut out the, the tin and everything. We opened it up and the kid was right there and looked almost frozen. The pathologist reached in to take him out and his hand sunk into his chest like jello. Oh. Um, his, his death brought on a major, major state investigations. His parents were mad as hell, and rightfully so. We had big wigs from Boston State Police up there for weeks. It was a horrible experience and the worst I've seen in my 24 years while I was there. So it was basically in a crock pot for a couple weeks. I mean, the heating coils in a building like that are going to be huge. Mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, That's beyond off. Like, that's one of those, like, yeah, terrible. So between patients, uh, something like that. Yeah. And then, like I said, the building's been demolished, catching on fire. All very, uh, you know, could there be, couldn't there be. Yeah. Then I just want to hit on real quick. So this hospital, obviously, Session 9, it was covered in. Uh, the other place where it's really known for is in, there was a book called Project 17 by Laurie Stallers. Um, and it involves 16 breaking into Danvers to investigate, like, hauntings. <laughs> It's also believed to be, um, once again, I already mentioned it, it inspired H.P. Lovecraft. It's been on um, a few different video games, and it's been on a few different shows. Hmm. But not as heavy into like being known for being haunting, but there was actually a few other stories of people who lived in the area who reported what seemed like patients were living in their attics. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was the ghost patients that were constantly scouring them or talking to themselves. And these were people that wouldn't have had access. Yeah. So whether it was just the idea of young kids knowing there was a lunatic asylum, imagining ghosts, yeah. there was a high reported number of that. And then a few others where people were as old as in college had reported of sheets being ripped off them in the middle of the night. Hmm. So, like I said, fascinating little place. We've covered this I don't know how many times, but... Would you ever want to live in a place like that? Probably not, no. <laughs> Especially knowing that history. And we said, anywhere you live on this earth, there's probably some crazy yeah. history. But to be the site of the guy who persecuted most of the Salem witch yeah. trials, and then to have like these patients there put into these numbered plots, 
kids dying, like all these terrible stories. And then you go ahead and demolish buildings that you're told not to demolish. Yeah. And then you try to build condos and they catch on fire. Like, yeah, I'd be very leery to just go running and living there. But they still do offer tours of the parts that are still standing there, historic, um, similar to Penhurst. Mm -hmm. But it's in much better shape than Penhurst okay. was. So. That would be interesting. I think next time we go to Boston, or yeah. in, not Boston, go to Massachusetts, we should definitely check it out. Yeah, and especially if it's Danvers, it's not far from Salem. Yeah, and that's the thing is I'm fascinated by that design now. Mm -hmm. So I want to see as many of those I'd buildings because, like, yeah, it's just they're beautiful-looking buildings. Mm -hmm. But So what did you think of that? That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I mean, old-time, old like, mental institutions are always kind of – fascinating like especially the stuff that went on in there like you know medicine has evolved so much over time but it's, it's crazy it's, that it's funny because we look at like stuff from even eight, late 1800s as so crude and whatever but can you imagine they looked at what they saw before them as like it was probably so much worse yeah so i mean I don't blame them from the past for how they did and in all honesty they might have said this really is the best thing. Like, yeah. There may be the way we over medicate people today mm -hmm. might be looked at as barbaric in the future. Like, hey, you were giving people this when it causes that. Da, 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 da. Like, until you really can just keep making things better and better, and the old the old ways seem crazy. Mm -hmm. But you know, we chop people open now and put fake titties in them. So it's, yeah, it's, it's that's a form of mutilation, you know. But. I don't know. I, I, I found it fascinating, and especially because the movie touched on it. How could I not? Yeah. So. That's interesting, yeah. Can't wait to see uh, what you're going to pick for next week. Oh, it's, a, it's, it's funny. <laughs> it's a funny one. So, yeah, like you said, the rest of this month, we're going to cover We're going to – it's completely open-ended. We're not following any theme. As we said, some months this year will definitely have themes, but a lot of it's going to be more just open-ended, yeah. I'll say. So with that, we want to say we hope you guys did have a good New Year's Eve. Hope you're all staying safe. And you can reach us on anywhere of their social media apps. Please make sure to follow us. If you haven't already, please subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Give us a five-star rating even if you want to bash us in the comments or let us know where we said something wrong. But until next time, guys. Good night.